0: Welcome to the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Steve Hob. Steve, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? For anyone
1: who didn't listen to your first episode that we had a couple of months back, for sure. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Uh, I'm excited to chat. It's always a bit novel to be on the other side and uh, talk a little bit more versus facilitating like a podcast, which I guess that that intros it a little bit. I'm a, a podcast host the Revive Stronger podcast where I get to interview kind of experts and researchers in the field specifically about kind of um, how to kind of gain muscle, lose fat, physique sports, basically bodybuilding is kind of my passion. I'm also a competitive bodybuilder uh, and I also um, own Revive Stronger along with Pascal Floor, where we have a coaching team and essentially just similar to the podcast, people who are interested in kind of growing muscle, losing fat, physique enthusiasts, they're the people we help. And some of those being competitors. So uh, I take people to stage and to kind of get them in the best shape of their life and hopefully winning some trophies and, and things like that. Outside of that, I'm a dog dad. So you might have the dog making a bit of noise during the podcast. Hopefully not. Hopefully she'll stay contained. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess that's, that's most of me. Most of my life is bodybuilding. I guess I also love anime and kind of watching TV and traveling and now and then. Brilliant. Yeah. Like, so.
0: Something that um, I forgot to mention as well is the running, a little bit of running that you did do that I'm doing. So that's another thing you didn't cover. I suppose that's been a while, but um, yeah, uh, doing a lot of things, Uh, second appearance. So it's great to have you back. And the podcast you have is really good. I really enjoy listening to that and just getting insights into, I feel like how to make fitness fun, you know, bodybuilding. It can seem serious about, oh, you have to lose weight or you have to, you know, do certain things and it's like no it actually the community in bodybuilding is really strong you're you're one of the, the leaders in it and you put out really good content so yeah i really love to see it so yeah what work do you specialize in um you said bodybuilding getting people lean what does that look like and is it just people competing
1: or is there a bit more than that sure so yeah definitely specialized within kind of bodybuilding style training so if i don't know you're a powerlifter listening or a runner um, i certainly wouldn't be the guy the go-to guy for that but certainly if you're looking to gain muscle lose fat that sort of thing physique endeavors um, definitely about that but like you said that there's more to it than just those two things we're kind of talking off air about like people's why like people often look at it as though oh yeah i'm trying to build muscle and it's like yeah but why it's like often it's just people are trying to feel better they're trying to feel more confident in their own skin and coaching can also do that with people and that that i'm super passionate about is i think again a lot of people and i think this is as online coaching has really exploded there are a lot of like i put them in quotation marks like coaches and they're just like basically they're going to get outdone by ai soon enough anyway now that's all like blowing up where they're just like macro coaches they just send you a pdf program and maybe they are respond to your email every three months or something. Whereas like I am having weekly check-ins with my clients, their video check-ins, not live, but video check-ins. So I like to think, I came from a background of personal training and a huge part as a one-on-one PT is being personal with that individual. Understanding them as an individual, putting yourself in their shoes, meeting them where they're at. And that's something we're really passionate at Revive Stronger that I think differentiates us from quite a lot of the bodybuilding circle where it's a bit hardcore. It's like their clients are like robots, whereas we know like even the kind of most strict, most hardcore bodybuilder is like a person behind it all and uh it often leads to burnout something we may even get to is like body dysmorphia and eating disorders like those things are real and i don't think they're helped by a lot of like the kind of more old school kind of coaching bodybuilding mentality so yeah it's not just uh, competitors most of my clients are coaches probably most of all most of them are coaches And or people very interested in it. So they all listen to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and may even be like subscribed to some research reviews within the the field. So they're like very interested. So which makes sense because they're paying for something that's ultimately a luxury and they take their physique endeavors really seriously, but also enjoy the pursuit of knowledge and checking in and discussing things. And then, yeah, I have a handful of competitors as well. I think this will probably be the season this year, 2023, where I have the most competitors taking the stage. It may be in double digits this year, which is really cool. Uh, I don't want... We actually were just talking about this on our podcast on the improvement season with Pascal. We have like a client cap in terms of total clients. And I'll, I've not been at the point where I need to cap my competitors. But they do at times, when you're nearing the stage, take a little bit more time uh for sure so like in a peak week for example i wouldn't want to have like tons of people going through a peak week at once because i wouldn't be able to give each of them my time so i might have to cap that at some point But at the moment thankfully um like the numbers i'm working with are are still manageable and i'm excited for the season that kicks off because bodybuilding it's like basically the second half of the year is when that all gets kind of kicking off i don't know if i answered that question but hopefully (laughs) yeah no that's a great
0: insight and we'll come back to more of the the higher level bodybuilding um later on i want to get into just your why and you know you said about clients want to to feel better so like what kind of first got you into bodybuilding and did the reality match your expectations just because in my experience it kind of typically doesn't work out like that my my expe- uh, expectations are just totally removed from the reality of what happens but yeah. usually what happens is like kind of almost like what i need or it's far, it far surpasses my expectation so yeah uh just what was what's your experience been of bodybuilding you know up to the current point to your most recent competition
1: yeah so it's been quite a journey uh i don't think it's been i don't think there's anyone else who's been i mean there's no one else who's gone through exactly my journey but people will probably relate to some of it i started training just before i was 16 because i remember there being like i don't know if gyms have this now but 16 was like the limit the age kind of threshold to be able to train with weights but I was like, oh, I'm nearly 16, so they let me train with weights, and uh, I can even remember like the the jock of my year. He was like benching the 30 kilo dumbbells at 15 years old, 16 years old, and I was like, I was doing like 15, like I could barely coordinate myself or do anything. Like he was strong. Uh, so, and I didn't see like amazing progress when I first started lifting by any means, like you mentioned, but I wasn't really, I had no expectations when I first started that age. It was just like, oh, this is interesting. This is new. And I just kind of went with my friends and it was just like a social experience where we're just kind of like all doing it together and enjoying that. I never really knew much about my nutrition. I kind of understood that there's like good and bad foods or rather that was my understanding there's good and bad foods and I should eat high protein and I should train hard and like push myself. That was like the bare basics of my understanding. And so I just kind of pursued it alongside playing football. Um, I went to university and kind of uh, did like different things over there, like rowing club, running club. And uh, yeah, obviously playing football whilst trying to also do my bodybuilding training or rather. I wasn't thinking of myself as a bodybuilder, I was, but I was trying to go in there and like build muscle. And I was under the kind of misconception that I was like, okay, so I do running, that would be my fat loss bodybuilding. That'd be my muscle gain. And if I eat clean, then I'll just be this jacked human. And I basically hit like this, uh, I would say like intermediate intermediate trainee level where it's like, you kind of look like you lift when you have clothes off when you, I mean, even me now clothed, I don't really look like I lift anyway, but I mean, I was kind of at that stage. So not very impressive. And actually, to be honest, I did start getting dissatisfied with my results because I'd look at maybe my friends who were maybe genetically better endowed, put in less effort than me and get better results from it. So I knew that like there was something maybe that I wasn't quite doing right. But whilst I was at university, like you mentioned, I used to run and really this was like the end of all my running. I used to do this ten-kilometer run round campus. I don't know if I said this on the last episode, but it's—I'll it, say it again. It's a good story, if if, it's, if I remember right. So yeah, keep going. yeah. So I, I'll say it fairly succinctly, at least. But um, so yeah, I was on this ten-kilometer run, which I like would do every week or something. I can't even remember how often I would do it. And I'd have my kind of, Garmin watch on, the Fitbit or, or not Fitbit, the Garmin like uh, heart monitor on and everything, and I could see my last personal best. So going at this run and like wanting to beat that. Cause that was always my mentality was like trying to beat myself and beat my previous best. And that's what I love about any, like people ask me if you weren't bodybuilding, what would it be? I'd be like, it'll be, have to be something physical. Cause I can't stay still. I have to be pushing something. So this was the thing I used to push was the running. And I, I came to some lights, a crossing, they're flashing Amber, which basically means you should be careful and like cars could be coming. Uh, but I was like, I'm on for an all time PB, let's go. And I went and, got hit by a van and this landed me in hospital and uh, I ended up being in hospital for a good month or so and basically lost all the muscle mass I had I felt like um, I'd lost like a cup like um, 14 pounds 15 pounds around that amount I came out very very skinny uh, basically because I just wasn't really eating in hospital let alone eating any sort of amount of protein and I wasn't moving and that's like the easiest way to lose muscle mass don't use your kind of muscles and don't eat anything So I came out very skinny and kind of like very demotivated, but also like thinking I got there's got to be a better way to grow this muscle back. And so I started doing a bit of research into like I had never really like Googled it. The amount of information we have now is unbelievable with the amount of podcast research reviews. These weren't things. We had magazines or like maybe there was some like um, forums and things. And I did come across a forum which had some decent information. And I started going through what would now be looked at as like pro practices where it's just like an all-you-can-eat diet trying to gain a really ludicrous pace and i would follow plans that people on that forum would just give me and i'd get in the gym and train hard and i definitely gained some muscle in that process but also gained a bunch of body fat in that process as well and then i did like i think it was the diet i did was like a I think they call it the warrior diet or something, or at least it was called this. It was basically like you were in the week. It was just protein and fats and nothing else. So keto. And then on the weekend, you'd have like these. Basically, it was like a carb binge. So you go through this. That got me quite lean. And I was still just like a bit lost and infuriated with the lack of progress that I was getting. I was probably back and maybe slightly better than what I was when I went into hospital after a year of doing that. But I was like, man, there's, there's still got to be a better way. I just, I still wasn't in great shape and, and wasn't feeling a good about myself at all. So I, again, did a bit more digging. And I came across the likes of Matt Ogus on YouTube. He kind of led me on to 3DMJ. I found Lar McDonald's body recomposition website. And this was like evidence-based fitness for me. This was like 2012 or something. I came across all of this. So I started digesting this. I was like, man, these guys make sense. They're like giving me principles, things that I can actually use and kind of um, put towards myself. So I started experimenting and seeing much better results following their practices. And that's where I kind of, and Matt himself, Matt Ogus, for those who don't know him, is a bodybuilder. And I was like, I want to compete in bodybuilding because I've kind of gone through this accident. I've put in all this work into my physique. Let's see what I can take to stage. So you kind of asked me, what's my why? And my initial why was like to prove to myself that I'd recovered fully from this accident and that I could also recover after the show because I knew getting down that lean was not a healthy process to put your body through. But I was like, if I can take my body to the best shape it's ever been in, get to that extreme level of condition, then come out of it and be in a great spot. I don't have to worry about my previous health, like issues that I was suffering. And I did it. And going through that process, I learned so much. And I was like, if I can do this, Anyone can do it. I like literally felt that way. And I was like, I can help anyone do this. Or at least like a lot of people that think they're struggling, they just don't have the tools at their disposal. And I've gone through all this learning that was horrendous. And I've been and made so many mistakes where I got over fat, really skinny, and just was not seeing the results I wanted. And I kind of felt like I'd seen through the matrix at this point and i mean really i was at a very novice level of understanding but enough to have got down to to stage level and had some lines in my glutes which is like the like peak natural bodybuilding in a sense and that's where i became a one on one pt uh, in t- 2014 but i guess that's like my initial why was i wanted to prove to myself that i'd overcome that accident and that was no longer like a shadow that was behind me because recovering from that and going through that was some of the worst time of my life and it i would never wish it upon anyone and i kind of i say i wouldn't want to go through it again i wouldn't want to go through it again but i don't I, I now like if someone asked me do you wish you didn't get hit by that van i'm like well no it kind of set up i mean revive strong is literally my brand name and it's the job i've been doing for almost a decade and uh, that's kind of all based upon going through that accident and coming out the other side well wow, that's amazing and
0: i know we've discussed this before in the last episode but it's like maybe cars and vans are attracted to us because i got hit by a car as well. oh no yeah yeah um i probably mentioned it last time and yeah after i got hit by the car dislocated my shoulder and then i did a power lift to meet after and it was like i, I planned to do it anyway um i was pretty close out from doing it then so um and actually the surgeon who uh, put a pin on my shoulder, I like sent him, you know, a message being like, good work because I was able to do a and meet after. And, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, this is a little bit of bias, but I'd like to think that the resistance training, sure. It's nice to look good, but like, you know, we're so much more resilient. Like we're literally more resilient because yeah, uh, on a regular weekly basis, we put our body through that, that stress. So like functionally, you know, functionally fit is totally like a misnomer, but like for longevity, quality life, get hit by a van or (laughs) uh, we're we're a little bit more resilient and I'm just so curious so I'm like did you already have the plan to do bodybuilding before the accident and then compared to kind of like your expectations before what was like the actual experience of it did it kind of live up to it did it surpass it what were like some surprises of competing that you didn't expect
1: so I had no plans to compete in bodybuilding before having been hit by the van I I don't know what I would have Done because I had no specificity I was doing like all different things i I just hadn't found what I loved, and I didn't go and like do bodybuilding until it was just like after the accident, I felt very out of control of my body, and I obviously had lost a lot of muscle mass and just was not happy with how I was looking. I was like, well, bodybuilding is something where I can control these variables and see an outcome and so I can be in my I can feel like kind of feel confident in myself going in the gym. Whereas I wouldn't have felt confident doing like team sports and different things as well, which were kind of, yeah, I kind of lost a lot of confidence with those sort of aspects. So yeah, I don't know if I ever would have gone into bodybuilding had it not been for that accident, to be honest with you. And then in terms of my expectations for it, it's interesting because now we have social media and there's so much uh, kind of just, I mean, you can just go on Instagram and you can see even natural, incredible physiques that I look at and I'm like, If I could ever look like that now, I'm not sure I I will ever look like some of these guys. And so if I was getting into it now, I think my expectations might be much, much higher. Whereas back then, like I only knew Matt Ogus and I knew he was very, very gifted and I really would have liked to look like him. But I didn't even follow other competitors. I didn't even know who I'd be competing up against. Whereas now you can, again, you can follow everyone on Instagram. You know, if someone's doing your show, so you can check them out. Whereas back then I just was so ignorant to it all. So actually, the physique I brought to stage, I look back and I'm like, dude, you barely look like you lift. But I'm at the time, I didn't feel that way at all. I, I felt like, yeah, I've done the process. I've kind of lost the the body fat and like I, I feel good about where I'm at. And it wasn't then until I like look at stage photos and uh, things like this where I'm like, oh, Like there's levels to this. There's like people have better symmetry than me and they have a a better like frame for this than I do. And I've got, if I want to get better, I really need to like put in a shift here. But the, the thing, the the biggest thing I remember going through it was, it's kind of, I always relate it back to something like, um, if you've never been knocked unconscious, like you don't know what that really feels like until you've done it. Cause I can remember the first time I like lost consciousness and then woke up. I was like, wow, that's a weird thing. Uh, so I, I think it's the same with like taking the bodybuilding stage. You don't quite like know what it feels like until you get to that lean level. And some of the things creep up on you so slowly that you don't really see it either where it's like slowly you're becoming more apathetic, You're caring less for your partner. You're becoming more food focused. You're caring less about like sexual desire goes down. Your sleep slowly gets worse. And these things just creep up on you over time. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I definitely remember just being very, very cold, very fatigued. And yeah, my girlfriend who I'd only recently started dating at the time, who is now still my girlfriend. So she stuck with me this long said like, she really struggled with it, even though she knew I was putting myself something through, through quite something quite extreme, just the selfishness and the lack of awareness of what she was going through as I was experiencing it. So yeah, I, I learned quite a lot during that period of time. Well, yeah, there's, there's so
0: much sacrifice that comes with that and with, with putting yourself through the, uh, the rigors of prep. I'm sure, you know, you're, you're comparing yourself to everybody else and you're like, or, or maybe Matt Ogus or those kind of, you know, uh, ideals. But if you were to look at yourself, maybe before prep to on stage, that would be like a, you know, night and day comparison. Do you, is that something that you try and, look at you know so basically comparing yourself to yourself because you kind of hear that a lot it's like don't compare yourself to other people you know for example Jordan Peterson compare yourself to who you were yesterday not
1: to who you are or someone else is today yeah is that something you try and focus on yeah it's almost uh, a bit of a cliche I think in bodybuilding where you have this uh, and it's often from coaches and it's completely well-intentioned I absolutely agree with it where it's like comparison is the thief of joy because everyone has a, like a deck of cards they're dealt and it's how they play with those and you can't control who turns up on the day like if you win a show it's just because no one better turned up it isn't because you're the best like there was on that day completely in the world it's just no one better decided to turn up so you can't control placings and equally there could be like you could win on a day but you didn't because three of like the best bodybuilders in the world turned up so you, you can't control what other people are doing you can only control what you're doing And I think something that's really helped me through this is understanding that and understanding, okay, like I'm never going to have like, again, if you bring my Ogus up, like he has incredible ab symmetry. He's also like a a number of inches shorter than I am. And like, I'm just never going to have his uh, clavicle to waist ratio. I'm never going to have his abs, like um, everyone's ab insertions and like muscle insertions, muscle bellies are shaped differently and insert differently. So you can build up muscle. And you could have two guys, actually, one could be heavier, like maybe 10 pounds more muscle than the lighter guy. But if they're put together in a better way than you are, they will have better symmetry, their muscles will look bigger. Like those are things that you have just zero control over. You can only control basically how, to a certain extent, how lean you get, and then you're posing on stage. And that's all you can control. And then with the other things, I always just focus on like, do your best job and you'll get the best outcome you can if people too often focus on the like outcome uh, and they're focusing on like, am I there yet? Where am I versus other people? They've already lost. Whereas you fall in love with that process, that daily kind of grind as it were. And uh, yeah, you'll soon look back and be like, oh wow, I've come all that way. But yeah, people, I think that's where people really get hurt, where they do just compare themselves against other people. And I understand it to a certain extent because in competitive bodybuilding, that is exactly what you're doing. You are on stage to be judged and compared to other people. But th- there's no point using that as your reference point and like looking at how other people are improving. It's more so focusing on like your own process and methods. And if you can do those better and if you're doing them as well as you can, like there's no point focusing on it more than that. Yeah, you're just making me think
0: of the professional bodybuilder Blessing from Ireland. I don't know if you know him. He competed in the Olympia. I think yes, it's Bla- Blessing. Yeah, I know Blessing. I yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would have followed him from when he was younger. And just been aware of him on social media. And he was just sharing after that he competed at the Olympia, so the Olympias, you know, the highest level of professional bodybuilding. And his physique was insane. Like just I'm like, you know, I could live a thousand lifetimes, and never have a physique like that. And it's just like after basically his message kind of sounded a little bit disappointed, you know, I will be back, I will do better. And I'm like, bro, like you're like top 15 top 10 in the world like you're so you're like so much to be happy for but of course as is the nature of the beast of bodybuilding it's a lot about comparison and uh you were just mentioning about who sh- who shows up on the day so in my powerlifting meet it was the first one and five people were in my category so i won and then my friend after was like oh congratulations well done i'm like bro five people turned up like <laughs> it's it's like it doesn't matter at all like if my coach just decided, you know, in street clothes to just walk onto the the platform, like he would have whooped me, you know, it's like, so yeah. How would you kind of work on that? Like you're competing against other people, you're getting judged against other people, but really all you can do is your your best and the process. How you like, how do you kind of, that's a, like a sort of a paradox or a really difficult catch 22 situation. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, Maybe as a competitor and coach work through that
1: so uh, for me as a competitor i know i compete because i bodybuild i don't uh, sorry how am i how do what's the phrase i'm looking for so i only bodybuild because i train and i love the training i love the nutritional aspect and what that gives to other aspects of my life i don't i, I wouldn't if all i cared about was competing I don't think I would do the other side because that's actually the tough part is like the off season. It's that's where you're building the muscle. You're just showing it off. You're kind of, that's the way you're investing and you're doing all the hard work when you're taking the stage, you're just spending really, you're just going down there. So if, if you don't love the investing, the off season and where the training, the nutrition and the dedication and consistency day in day out of that, then like, you're not going to get anywhere within bodybuilding. So I only bodybuild as a consequence of loving the process that leads to taking the stage. Like I said before, I was doing all the training and everything. It wasn't until I saw Matt August then compete where I was like, oh, I could compete in this. I never did all that training previously because I knew I wanted to compete. And I think that's where I take solace, where I'm just like, "Like this is cool to compete, but it's not the be all and an end all for me. Uh, it's not like I don't hang my hat on on my placings. And it is challenging though, because uh, I mentioned I competed. Did I mention I competed in 2021? And I had a c- complete mix of placings. I've never been that guy. Like I said, I'm not that guy who's like taking up a, a trophy in his first season and like going pro immediately. Like if I go pro, one there's going to be some luck and fortune involved. Just just something <laughs> as a as a common
0: observer, I want to point out is I feel like the majority of bodybuilders, because only one person can win, their experience is going to be that like you don't pick up a trophy in your first like season is that like fair to say you know most people are gonna just they're gonna have to be happy with placing that's completely okay and then you know if you're lucky you might hit the ground running with the first place is that like a pretty reasonable expectation
1: yeah i think it's again with social media you see the creme de la creme basically you see the best of the best you see the winners you see the people with the best physiques so then that almost like orients where you think you should be you should be you're like okay so that's normal people winning whereas like you said if you have 10 competitors on stage, there's three people placing there, or five, maybe if they do a top five, though, the other five, they're just making up numbers. But that's like when you take the average, the average person is getting like maybe a placing, maybe not placing. So I think a lot of people again, feel bad about like not placing or not having winning a show. Whereas not everyone can win. And that's just part of competitive sport. Like that is how it goes. And like, I've only won one bodybuilding show out of however many shows I've done, which is like people hear that and they'd be like, why do you keep going? And it's because I don't compete. I mean, I don't do everything I do just to win. I do it because I love the other side of it. And sure there's, there's parts of me that maybe commit more than I would if I wasn't competing where I'm like, ah, maybe I can actually go pro if I have to nail down this. And I can't like, like you said, I have to sacrifice some things if you kind of look at, at it that way. But, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting where people, especially when they're the first time competing, like when you get a client and they're like, Oh, I want to go pro and you have to really start pulling them back and getting them to understand. It's like, you have no control over that. Let's just focus on what we're doing, your processes and the outcome will be kind of what it is. But yeah, I had like, like I said, in my last uh, season, I won one show. I came like third in two or three of them, um, came second in another one. And it was just like, Again, it was funny to see like who turned up on the day, where you placed, and also having now been a judge. So I judged uh, two, se- two shows last season. It's so interesting being on the other side of it and seeing people on stage and seeing who you're rewarding and why and also how little time the judges have to make those calls. You could be the best, but if you don't go out there and pose well and show yourself, you might not get that call out to the front and you might just fall behind. Yeah even happened on some where i was like telling the head judge i was like i want to see that guy behind and he was like oh oh i didn't see him yeah get him out and i was like even things like that you don't necessarily have the control of like how the judges are judging you and it's subjective too like as much as we like to try and make it objective it is subjective some judges like more condition others like the symmetry the lines and so that's always going to leak into it as well so so many of these things that are like powerlifting is great because it's like objective who lifted more who did like they got all the the white lights or what have you um who who did that that's an objective winner but in bodybuilding like there's times at which where the two competitors actually that's the way i won my show was i was tied with the guy that came second and the head judge said i, I should take it so like it was it was based off that and i've had um those kind of calls not going my way before and it's just like you just can't place everything on the trophies and that sort of thing and as a competitor as well when when i look back it's not about like like what what would change for me if i went pro or if i won a show in the moment it felt amazing like i'm not gonna lie it felt great to win but when i'm reflecting like on my day-to-day it doesn't impact me at all i see a trophy up on my shelf and like like that one's third this one's like first it is the the memories of the process and what i went through and maybe i was better at managing my stress with my partner and it was a smoother process and maybe my business flourished a little bit more this time like there's so many ways you can win versus just that trophy that's there so yeah i think if you're a natural bodybuilder and all you care about is your placing you you have lost already because you don't win anything for winning either (laughs) like i didn't get any money or anything i didn't get any fame for it i didn't get like a sponsorship um yeah there's there's so many other ways where you really win yeah this yeah if if you kind of expand your definition of
0: uh i guess progress or um winning you can win in different ways instead of just the trophy i want to focus on the process uh after this but some kind of question i'm thinking of recently is so we're obviously both you know coaches we're passionate about uh training but where does like health come into it you know so like it's kind of almost like two ends of a spectrum you know you're you're trying to make progress right you're trying to compete or lose body fat or build muscle and i feel like that's kind of opposed to being healthy like you know the health guidelines might be you just have to do six thousand steps a day or you know do two resistance training sessions a week so like how do you know that the kind of goals you have the progress you're making Is in your kind of like in your best interest or it's healthy or is this ever something you consider? Because I think it's very easy just because in my experience, you know, I push myself too hard. I'm a little bit like burnt out and I'm kind of reconsidering, you know, my goals, my health. Um, Yeah. Do do you have any insight on the question of health as well as making progress?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this because I even think health as it like, how do we define health? Like this physical health, mental health. And there's so many components that go into that as well that are hard to consider um and i guess when i think about health ultimately it's like i don't know i don't even actually know how you go about it is it like do you live the longest or is that like, is the healthiest person living the longest but maybe their life through that they're not like performing at a maximum at any point and maybe if someone can perform better and they're not healthier than you yeah, it's a bit of a hard one to kind of look at and i think also when I re- and you might reflect upon this with your accident too when i think about the fact that i got hit by a van and I could have been the healthiest person in the world at that point, like all cause mortality, zero chance of cardiovascular disease, whatever. But I got hit by a van. Like, <laughs> like you don't know when the next day if it's going to be there or not. So it's like you, you, you have to, I guess, with everything you're doing, kind of have trade offs and risk versus reward. So for me, like smoking, that that's a dumb idea. Like the the what's the reward of smoking? I, I can't think of any really what's the risks like I could get cancer um, like my cardiovascular health is going to be worse it's money go down the drain but me like trying to push as hard as I can on a hack squat kind of what's the risk to reward there and like the, the, the risks are relatively low like I could get injured I could hurt my knee or whatever but like the rewards are like just insurmountable for me like I get bigger quads and I get an endorphin rush I hit a PR and like there's so many physical and mental benefits for me in that regard so yeah i think it it's a, a challenging one but i think for me at least within bodybuilding you there, it is inherently fairly healthy as a natural bodybuilder outside of i would say competing because when you are getting down below like your lower level of a like range of body fat where the body's feeling good and healthy and hormones are functioning well when you get below there especially for females that's pretty unhealthy if they're losing their menstrual cycle that's literally a sign of like that like not great health because health and vitality is needed to have kids and be pregnant and like give birth but the same for a man like his libido completely tanks because the body's like nah, you you can't bear children right now we need you to go hunt and eat food and gain some body fat back so equally as a competitor that is something to take into consideration also um as i mentioned before for like um potentially eating disorders because inherently bodybuilding and taking it to the physique stage you have to eat in a disordered way and a lot of the traits that people with eating disorders have you it as a bodybuilder inherently have to have to compete as a bodybuilder like hyper focus on your physique and how you're looking that's like a epitome of a lot of the eating disorders but as a competitor that's exactly what you're doing you're checking your glutes in the mirror you're weighing in every day you're hoping it to go down And that, again, a preoccupation with a certain weight or look, that's exactly what comes into a lot of eating disorders. So it's kind of weighing up those risks as well and and assessing your risk tolerance. And, um, like, again, maybe you've gone through a few diets and you found, I don't like the preoccupation that I get with my looks and how I feel and the scale, and I become a bit obsessed about it. And it's a bit kind of worrisome for me. Competing is not going to be for that person. But if you can be pretty chill, pretty relaxed... You can gain body fat in your off season just fine. And you, you're not kind of concerned about how you look so much. And you're like, oh, actually, if I gain a bit of body fat, I feel better. I can perform better in the gym. That's excellent. Like that, that's someone who probably has a healthier relationship with their body and mind and food and can take the stage without so many kind of health concerns. But yeah, we're well, rounding it back to like bodybuilding as a lifestyle. It's like take care of your sleep. Sleep is the foundation to like training well, recovering well have good nutrition, make sure to get fruit and veg with like every meal, spread your protein out through the day, weight train to build muscle mass. And obviously, like you said, the resistance training you get, um, like your bones are stronger and healthier as well. So you're less likely to get issues when you're older too. And then when sarcopenia settles in, you're already at a higher baseline. So there's kind of, you'll be more functional as it were when you're older and you can kind of do more activities when you're older. So there's a lot of benefits there. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. Um And like I said, there's a lot to health. I don't know where your head goes with it, but it's something I could probably talk about and go down so many different avenues. <laughs> yeah. Health. It's very individual.
0: I would say there's no way to like give a broad sweeping kind of definition of health. And I think something I saw recently was like, there's a difference between lifespan of like 80 years and health span where you could like you know, be free from disease for like 60 years in the final 20 or 10 years of your life, you have like a chronic illness. And then also it's kind of like, what do you define then as an illness? Because, you know, someone might say like depression, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, their BMI is healthy, muscle mass, bone density, no, you know, metabolic issues, but then their inner world is like suffering a lot. So it's very tricky to define. And I'm thinking just kind of, you know, I said, I was burnt out a little bit. I'm thinking like, um, I'm trying to return to the same place or to the same goals as a different person. So it's like I had these goals, I was, I was mindless, and now I'm going to revisit them with a more intentional, mindful experience and kind of like updated view. And hopefully that'll work out. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, just thinking about why you're pursuing a health goal is really important and what health is to you. So yeah, that's that on yeah. health. Yeah.
1: I have I have one other additional thought to it because sure. um I think... I always I very often come back to this where like health and well being, definitely as someone who is trying to get better at a pursuit, you have to put yourself under a certain degree of stress to meet thresholds for overload to then force an adaptation that your body's gonna have to respond to. But if you don't feel good generally, and then you're probably not gonna be able to perform. And if I relate this to bodybuilding, when I in my off season, I push my body weight up to try and gain muscle mass and put myself in that surplus i hit about 195 to 200 pounds and if i keep trying to push past this i feel horrendous and to me the mental toll the physical toll that puts on my digestion and the mental toll puts on my like stress and anxiety is not worth if i could gain muscle from it i don't think it's actually worth it because i think my training performance tanks because i just feel so shitty all the time But um, that could be something that someone could look at and be like, okay, so avoiding the extremes if you're not a competitor is probably wise. Like a lot of people could come into the middle for bodybuilding pursuits and find, okay, that maybe you don't have to overreach and feel like complete dog shit and deload and come out. Maybe you could just like get to like a bit of a uh, like try and hit a PR and then like take a few steps back and go again. And the majority of people who don't want to take it to the highest level, maybe they never take need to take themselves to that, like, real extreme. I, I'm not sure, but it's just a thought that's spawned in my mind.
0: Yeah, I think trying to avoid the extremes is definitely a useful way to go. And it makes me think how the idea, like, there's no ideal, right, or perfect. It's kind of just like well, the, our best guess, like, competitor might have, like, you know, you as a coach, for example, who's got the experience. But then they might have, like, a therapist. They might have... You know, a a lot of kind of things in place where if the support was needed, they could reach out like straight away, you know, something along those lines. What do you you think of that? Is that that even a thing in in bodybuilding circles to have like a really good network or support? Or is it like just a coach, just one coach?
1: So at least here at Revive Strong, we have a physio. So that's kind of a bit of a network of support because, man, like a physio who does the sport that you do and understands the way that you program as a coach is invaluable so we have mike chalice our physio who i coach so and he's a bodybuilder so it's like ideal if one of my guys is a bit of an injury he's like he knows exactly how to incorporate his like rehab or prehab into our programs so that's really helpful i do think and you probably do this with your coaching i imagine i i think some coaches kind of joke about this and I don't think it's it's like it's obviously not a joking matter but like people say like I'm a therapist to my clients and I don't think it's and I'm always clear with my clients to be like I'm not your therapist but I'm here to hear you out hear about your stresses and if I can help your mental health and well-being I'm all good for it and just hearing them talk about their stress and being like I understand not necessarily giving them advice on how to manage it but just being there to listen I think does go a long way but I think I would love to have like a therapist on the team who like understands how they how to help that person. And it's nothing I've actually got any experience with yet in terms of I've never been to therapy. But uh, I say yet because I am considering it because I'm like it's one of those things you don't go to a physio until you're injured quite often. You don't seek a therapist until you've got like a, a serious mental health problem, maybe. And I think even that's it's easy to identify an injury identifying if there's something that could be improved with your mental health i think is a little bit tougher for us to identify so yeah i'm i've been considering for a while i'm going to buy a book kind of that talks of through therapy to give me a bit better of understanding because it is a bit of a going to a physio i can be like yeah i've got my knee hurts but going to a therapist and being like i don't know i don't feel 100 percent in my my head it's a bit of a scarier prospect
0: it yeah it really is um and just for the listeners, so a physio in the UK and Ireland is the same as a physical therapist here in the US. Just to clear that up. Oh and yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of a difference, but they're the same. They're the same profession, as far as I can tell. And then on the uh, the last episode, we had Hugh Gilmore. So he's actually based in England. He's a sports psychologist. So that might actually be more relevant for a bodybuilder, a sports psychologist who is more focused on goal setting and competing and they have the psychological background, but they know about, you know, competition. So, you know, the whole being a therapist as a coach. Yeah, I definitely can understand that and have experience with that a, a little bit. You know, I'm definitely not a therapist. And it's a case of having that professional in my network is a, is a huge goal of mine, like to have a physical or not a physical therapist, but a psychological therapist specifically. Yeah, because, yeah, that health, when I say health, It makes me think of physical health, but well-being makes me think of mental health. And yeah, yeah, like you can have the best physical health. You know, you could be, I don't know if you follow UFC, but there's a guy, uh, Israel Adesanya. So he won the UFC title and this might be a clickbaity headline, but there's a video and it says I was the most depressed after I won the title. So it's kind of like externally, everything's great. Internally, what's going on? And, you know, everyone has both sides, external and internal. So, yeah, I think. That would be a really useful addition to to
1: any kind of person's team. So yeah, um, yeah, it's an interesting topic, so for sure. You call PTs in the UK is a personal trainer, but in the US, it's a physical therapist, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but then so people
0: will typically say PT for personal trainer in the US and okay. physical therapist as just physical therapist. They'll differentiate. Okay, yeah, um and then we also have chiropractors which are not in the uk so it's kind of like
1: yeah we have some chiropractors
0: right so yeah it's 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 tricky but it's not
1: like a it's not a very scientific i don't know if you, it's not a seen as like as serious as a physical therapist it's kind of like chiropractors are a bit like if your physio, if whatever you're doing with your physio isn't working maybe you go see the chiropractor just maybe to see because I I don't even know if like it's just not scientifically valid I don't think chiropractic anyway that's a different subject I don't know a lot about it
0: <laughs> yeah I had uh, Michael Ray a few episodes back on the podcast he's a, a chiropractor he's qualified but I think a lot of them can they cannot go to college they can get different certifications kind of similar to personal training so it's a bit it's a bit different I'm not sure exactly the qualifications and it's it's it feels like a little bit less evidence-based but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of, like Michael Wright's really experienced. He's a really good practitioner. So yeah, there's just so many different people out there and yeah, a lot of professions to get into. But another another question I wanted to follow up with, you're, you're talking a little bit about the process. So, you know, how did you fall in love with the process and how do you stay really enjoying bodybuilding, even though I would say you're, you know, this kind of term, of like your genetic ceiling, you're, you're quite close to like your max, you know? So it's kind of like how it's obviously a, you're you're kind of close to that point of diminishing returns where the newbie gains are gone how do you still stay kind of training with the same sort of like intensity even though you know that the potential is not the same and you might even have to keep working harder and harder and harder and you'll see less and less
1: of a return so how do you kind of reconcile that difference yeah, I, uh, I analogized this um, not that long ago where I kind of analogized it like someone earning money. But once you've earned, you work really hard to earn a lot of money, you live a good life, it's quite easy just to sit back and let that fortune just work for you. And I can understand why people do that. But those who seek to earn even more money and they put themselves in like the next like small percentage category who earn over a certain amount, they really differentiate themselves from the pack because they were willing to go that extra mile to earn that little bit more, which would have been a lot of extra work. And I see that the same with like natural bodybuilding where there's, it, it would be so nice, like I could easily see a time and sometimes I go through like an active rest and or a deload and I'm like, oh, I like, life could be like, I could not ache quite often and I could spend less time at the gym and man, I could actually just maintain the physique I've got eat like i wouldn't have to like ever need to like think about being in a surplus or a deficit i could just eat a maintenance train three days a week and i could pursue something else in life like that would be quite a cool thing but i'm like yeah but if i want to be really really good at this if i want to separate myself from others i need to go that extra little mile that other people won't so i think a lot of people like get to this advanced stage and they aren't willing to continue to commit enough to get to that like elite level where yeah i mean it could literally be a couple of pounds difference between someone who is like advanced to like elite but that couple of pounds it looks so much different on a physique so that inspires me to kind of think about that process and also in terms of like genetic ceilings and things i kind of like to have a almost not an ignorant like ignorance is bliss kind of mindset but like i have no idea what my genetic ceiling is I know I can still be building muscle right now. So let's like give it my best shot. And so long as I'm enjoying the journey, like I'm happy to commit to that. And I've seen the fruits of my labor, particularly from the last, like the season before last where I competed and then competed again, where I legitimately gained 10 pounds of stage weight. And I looked like a completely different like competitor. And I I managed to go to WMBF Worlds and come second in my class. And like, that was uh, like, if you were to tell me before my season, I was going to be able to achieve that. I'd be like, no chance. But now it's happened. I'm like, wow, like if I keep at this, I might actually be able to be something. So I'm kind of willing to commit that. And then I also look at my lifestyle and I'm like, right, I'm a dog dad. I don't have kids, um, so I don't have to worry about that aspect. I work from home. I'm a PT myself, so I can invest a lot of like even money into this and I can expense it or something if it's like bodybuilding shows that cost a lot of money, the tans, everything. I can expense it because maybe I film it for social media and a YouTube channel and I can expense that as like content. So I've got a lot of like things on my side. So I'm like, you'd be a fool not to give this your best shot. Sure. You could kind of sack it in now and maybe go be a runner again and become like a half decent runner and like a Jack dude, which would be cool actually. But (laughs) I wouldn't like, but you could become really good at this bodybuilding thing. Like if I could like become a professional and put myself at that level like that would be very rewarding to go from again this guy that like clearly not the best made for this sport but could take it to again the professional level within it just through basically like hard smart work and just being tenacious and consistent something about that is like very special to me and like being a bit of an underdog and being able to kind of get through all of that. And then also with what I enjoy is like habit, routine, consistency, and being able to know that I'm systematically manipulating variables to deposit pennies in this like gains bank account every single day. There's just something about going to bed and being like, I hit my nutritional goals. I trained well. I progressed. I can go to bed and kind of sleep like, yeah, I've done a good job today. Doesn't matter what happened else happened in my life. I've always got that with bodybuilding. So it's just something very special to me being able to do that. And I'm sure I could get that from other things, but maybe not quite the same way as I can with bodybuilding at the moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in for the delayed gratification and happy to be nailing the process. Nice. Yeah. I really hear that
0: you're not looking at like the reasons you can't be great in terms of, you know, as a bodybuilder, it's more like you're sort of curious and intrigued as to what you can achieve. Is That's, is that how you feel about it? Like, yeah. I don't know where this is gonna go, but I'm I'm here for the ride type of thing.
1: Yeah, I think if an objective outsider was looking at me, they may, might be like, Steve, are you sure it's worth what you're doing? Like, are you sure like again, looking at my structure and my symmetry, it's, it's not the best. I'm like, yeah, I know it's not the best, but I can build more muscle, I can come in more conditioned, and I can fight for people who should beat me and I can beat them. And again, like there's just something very cool about that, like where you beat someone who arguably on paper should absolutely beat you. But through other means, you found a way to kind of get round what might be some of your less promising like aspects of your genetics or structure. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, the thought of and I don't know. Do you watch any anime? Did you ever watch anime? I think I have watched an anime movie. I am not <laughs> <Okay>. sure. <laughs> Maybe once. It might be lost on you. Th- well, it will be lost on you then. But in a lot of the, like, Dragon Ball... You watch Dragon Ball Z? So I'm, yeah, you know, I'm like aware. Goku? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, but uh that and, like, Naruto, the shonen character, like, the main character is always just this, like, person who comes from nowhere and isn't meant to be anything great, but is almost ignorant to that fact and just goes out of their way and they just, like, believe in themselves so much that they can pursue something. And I, I'm, like very obsessed with these animators because it just gives me so much like motivation and drive to kind of see it and I know it's animated it's not real life but um, I see it work out in practice with people yeah I really like that mentality yeah that's really interesting so
0: you're saying that they don't have limiting beliefs they sort of just have like maybe beginners confidence and they just pursue something in spite of the challenges yeah
1: it's just like they're just like I'm going to achieve this thing I don't matter what you tell me and they just work every single day to go and try and achieve it. And obviously in the animations, they always do achieve it. <laughs> Whether or not I will, I, like, I'm like i happy to fail knowing I tried. Definitely. yeah. I think as well, if you have a loose goal, as
0: opposed to like, I have to win the trophy. If you're like, I have to be my best. That's kind of like a floating, flexible goal. And that would be far easier to achieve because it's internal it's not external so I think that would be yeah yeah, much more useful yeah and yeah the next question just so progressive overload it's like you know I'm working with a lot of the general population so it's not really as much of an issue I'd say for you know bodybuilders but just for people listening you know because you're so experienced with progressive overload um, and let's say somebody's listening and they're kind of just like yeah I go to the gym twice a week or once a week I get my sessions in you know I'm pretty happy with how things are going Um, maybe I could add more muscle. Kind of, could you sell someone on progressive overload, even maybe like you know, an initial kind of like they're dipping their toes into the water of it because it can be a bit daunting. There could be so much to like track in every session, track in every rep. Um, just because I think it's essential, you know, but maybe you're you're so much more experienced, you could do a better job explaining it.
1: I'll try. I'm just trying to think of an analogy because I always find analogies, especially for people who. I don't know, they get tired of like the scientific speech and like the, the terminology the, and things. You're from the Mike Israel School of Thought, yeah. so of course you have yeah. to use an analogy. <laughs> so I think about it, and everyone can relate to this because um, everyone has to work. So if you work like a corporate job or what have you, and you want to get a like bigger paycheck, you want to get a promotion, then you know you can't just do the work that you're doing your current job you kind of need to go above and beyond and you need to push yourself more to be able to get that promotion and you getting that promotion is a sign that you've been working hard and now to get the next one you know you need to level up again you can't just keep doing what you've always been doing and expect them to promote you and pay you more life isn't that simple so you literally in the same in the gym if you keep doing the same work that you've always been doing and you kind of don't really try and kind of push the bounds. You're not going to create this reason for the body to be like, Hey, this guy needs more muscle mass because he's putting loads on us that are really challenging us. So progressive overload can be seen like that. You have thresholds you have to meet. So for hypertrophy, you have to train with a certain level of intensity, which people can just think about like sets need to leave. You need to leave having done a set feeling like you really challenged yourself. Your muscles feel tired Um, They potentially have like a bit of blood flow and pump. Maybe they're quivering, potentially even sore the next days. You know, you've challenged that muscle group and then you need to do enough of it. So enough volume, enough sets. And so long as you meet, you're doing enough and you're working hard enough, if you keep doing that and you will want a logbook, and this is something that takes someone who's like intermediate to advanced, you have to logbook your training because you can convince yourself that you're doing these things. But a logbook tells you objectively, am I really pushing hard enough? And then you just look every time Can I beat that? Try and add a rep, a small amount of load. That's typically how we progress like load is not just load, but also reps, for at least for hypertrophy. You can do things like adding like longer eccentrics, adding pauses, improving your technique, more range of motion, shorter rest periods. But I think those are things that should be standardized from the get-go and they're part of like your form that you do when you initially enter the gym and then keep that as a standard, keep those things formalized. And then each week you either try and add maybe a bit of load or an extra rep. And maybe you can't do it this week, but next week, because you've been still working within that overload threshold, where you're providing this stress where the body's going to have to adapt to. Maybe the next week after that you can. And so after a while you might over a number of weeks or even each week you can hit a PR as you get more advanced, these adaptations are slower. So you have to keep presenting that overload and you get rewarded with those PRs over longer time courses. So Like when I first went into the gym, every week, I actually every session, I could hit a new personal best. Then it was every week, every two weeks, every month. And now I'm like, if I can hit a PR every couple of months, that's really good going. (laughs) So it just, as you get more advanced, like you said, you get to the point where you're like watching paint dry as an advanced bodybuilder. But um, you just have to keep putting in that consistent work and effort. And so long as you're training hard enough with enough work then you should see these PRs ensue and that PR like that promotion is a sign that you've been doing all good work before it so you just have to be consistent with that and again log booking is essential to be able to identify that you're actually doing that work yeah it's a running record of
0: of what actually is the reality of your training and something I'm thinking of is especially in my experience it's easy to fall into the trap of doing more as opposed to becoming more efficient you know working harder versus working smarter. So what are your thoughts around that? And is that something that you try and do the more experienced you become? You try it because you can only work so much, right? But if you could become more efficient, I think the kind of upper ceiling for
1: that is almost endless. What do you think around that? Yeah, it's a really, it's something I've thought about quite a bit recently where my volume in terms of the number of sets I'm doing per muscle group has come down over the last few years. And I kind of say I fell into this kind of volume trap I see people fall into, where it's like a mentality of more is better. And to a point it is. Uh, There is like a a inverted U-shaped curve with like volume and hypertrophy. The more volume you do, the more hypertrophy you get to a certain point. So if you're recovering from it, you're adapting to it, theoretically that should be better. But what I find happens in practice is people don't keep the intensity there. And so they're like right i i know again another analogy if you've got 20 tasks to do in a day where normally you only have 10 and you know really to do 20 tasks you're not going to be able to do them to your best efforts you kind of sandbag them you don't do them as well you kind of just get them done the same with volume in the gym where i used to like be like oh like maybe i should work up to like 20 sets per muscle group per week or maybe more than that and i'm like in my final week and i'm like man i've got 5 sets of leg press am I taking that leg press really to like one zero reps left in the tank or am I sandbagging those and leaving like maybe three and it's easy to convince yourself that you're training harder than you are but if you've only got two sets it's very easy to be like well I've only got two I'll go all out on these and so you ensure your quality is there so I find people get into this little bit of like they train a little too easy and then they're like, oh, I'm recovering on time, add a set. And that, that leads to them because they have so much to do. They have to continue training easy. So you can actually grow via leaving like many reps in reserve, but that does generally mean you have to do a lot more volume to make up for it. And so when you get more advanced, your ability to know you're training hard enough and your ability to rate RAR gets better. So you just end up fatiguing yourself sooner, getting a stimulus sooner. So you need less total volume to work with. And I think once you've got that, then it's a case of like auto-regulating it, seeing based off your fatigue, how much you can do. But yeah, once you're a stronger um, individual who's better at kind of gauging their reps in reserve, your volume tolerance tends to go down because you just like, I can't even imagine doing five sets of leg press right now, but I definitely did it in the past. Whereas now I just like, I would be completely tr- trashed. And I guess also as part of that, your technique improves as you get more advanced as well. You're better at targeting the muscle that you're trying to hit. And so the, I don't think it's such an issue when people come from like a higher volume background in the intermediate stages, because through doing lots of sets, you learn so long as you allow yourself to learn. And the biggest thing I find myself doing is when that person comes to me off that background, I strip them back and I get them focusing on technique and intense intensity, sorry, relative intensity. And once they get those two things in check, they're like, wow, like my, sometimes I've had people where they're. Kind of week before deload volumes, which typically would be peak volumes, uh, are lower than their starting volumes. So where they used to start them as a cycle, so I was like, "Wow, you must have been working like they're working really hard, but not at the same time. Like they're they're almost becoming a bit endurance like, where it's like, no, we've got to have that intensity there." So I don't know if that answers your question well. <laughs> it really does, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of beginners really
0: easily fall into the trap of doing more and it's so kind of enjoyable initially. And it's like, Oh yeah, more has to be better. And it's like, actually a kind of a skill in the beginning can actually be knowing when to to stop, to have the discipline to say the extra rep isn't worth it. Or now I'm training purely for ego or, you know, when you've hit a PR or maybe you're training for strength, it always feels fun to keep on pushing the boundary or moving the goalposts. And there's definitely limits to that to the body and if if you're you know if if you just plan to hit a one rep max and then you say okay that was easy i'm going to do it again and again and again like there is a breaking point so i think yeah it's definitely a, a, a really good point to make that efficiency will, will trump you know hard work in in the long run for sure and yeah, that's, that's a really good point about like focusing on the intent in the set and building that mind-muscle connection. Is the mind-muscle connection something
1: that you like believe in and, and, and you work on? So to a certain extent, yes um, and no. So I think it can lead you down the wrong path if you focus on it too much, particularly on big compound lifts. I tend to prefer people to focus on externally what's going on with their form and technique versus like on a bubble back squat trying to feel their quads like stretch in a bubble back so i'm just like i don't know even on a leg press like that's a big heavy load coming down you ain't focusing on like your quads after the set sure where are you feeling that pump where's that disruption what muscles fatigued and that's a great way to do it like rdls for me a classic one when i'm doing the movement like i can feel the hamstring and like hamstring stretch i do like to focus on that But like I am getting like a general systemic fatigue feeling through the set. And I can't be sure my hamstrings are absolutely without a shadow of doubt the limiting factor. But when I come off, I'm like, oh, my hamstrings feel tight. The next day, my hamstrings are sore. So I think for those lifts, um, compound lifts, I like people to more so focus on the execution of the lift versus the muscle feel. The more isolation based the lift becomes, I think that's where the technique is simple. And now you are really like pretty much isolating a single muscle group. And so you can now focus on that mind-muscle connection and feeling the muscle being trained within the movement. And that probably also helps the technique too. So that's the way I like to view it. I think um, the important thing for me is also whenever you finish any exercise, is the muscle you are trying to train feeling like it's been trained? Like it's a very simple thing to think about, but a lot of people just, you know, they do like barbell bent over rows and they'll be swinging it all over the place like they think they're doing a barbell bent over row. And they stop the set. It's like, where do you feel? Where did you feel that? And they're just like, I just feel tired. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you should be feeling it like in your back, <laughs> not, not just tired. Um, or if you finish like a lat pull down, and you think you've done good technique, but you are finishing like, I just felt in my bicep. It's like, well, maybe you need to revisit your technique if your biceps are where you're feeling that movement. Yeah, it's like people will have the goal to build muscle and they'll do a, a fatiguing
0: workout and it's like, all right like you know what are some indicators that you you know work towards your goal and it's like oh I felt tired so you know I I went to failure so that must mean that I'm building muscle and it's like well the fundamentals are you know progressive overload you know so it's like one of the fundamentals so it's like did you do more than last week you know and it's 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 almost like oh I'll just I'll just forfeit the nuance I'll just go for the hard work and that'll be enough it's like it's, it's a little bit, of, it's a mix of both, but uh, Steve, thanks very much for your time. This has been great. Is there any kind of final message you want to
1: leave the listeners with or anything coming off that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a fun chat and hopefully some good takeaways for people. I guess uh, for the listeners, if people are interested in the podcast, they can find the Revive Stronger podcast on all podcast platforms. Um, I always say we have the Improvement Season podcast as well, which we've separated now uh, so that's where me and Pascal, basically, it's a bit more relaxed and chilled and you don't need a notepad and pen <laughs> for those chats. And we're also on YouTube where there's both elements of the podcast and some vlogs that I do every couple of weeks over on there. There's then our uh, coaching. If people are interested in on- online coaching with us, they can find that revive revivestronger.com. And then I guess Instagram revivestronger, stronger is where I'm at and where I'm most kind of active. And the only thing we have coming up that uh, will be happening this year is uh, some, we're getting RP over again, so Renaissance Periodization should be Mike, Jared, and Nick Shaw coming over for some full ROM training sessions. Uh, so yeah, that's if If some of what we've talked about today is like picture is, that's going to be a lot of fun and definitely going to be making people work efficient and uh, working very hard, uh, that's for sure. that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, fun I <laughs> yeah absolutely. I've been to... One of the work that Deland support, no, it's not the trying
0: to head over to that stuff would be a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, all the time building.